0: From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast. As always, this podcast brought to you by EPR Creations, bringing you the best of internet marketing and, and website development for an affordable price. Podcast also brought to you by Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Newsma of Shen Real Estate in the Research Triangle of North Carolina, and Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida. you need any of these services, use the Unconquered Podcast recommended folks and let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast really helps us out a lot. Now, let's get to it. This is going to be a pretty short episode looking at the preview for the Florida State Oklahoma 2022 Cheez-It Bowl coming up on Thursday. So that would be tomorrow relative to when this episode is released. So we're going to start on the OU offense versus Florida State defense side of the ball. And uh, this is where I think it's the more, certainly the more challenging matchup for Florida State. This is a very good OU offense, has been all year. Uh, they, on the season, 29th in yards per play, 6.27 yards per play overall. Uh, that's That's pretty good. And uh, then when you narrow that to against Power 5 competition, then that comes out to, again, 24th there, 6.09 yards per play. For prospective Florida State, 13th there at 6.71 yards per play against Power 5 opponents. So, you know, in the same rough tier, just a little bit behind uh, Florida State in in that, probably a tier behind, actually, in terms of offensive production on the year, around the same as North Carolina uh, to give an ACC example Florida also about 6.1 yards per play on the year. So comparable offense to what Florida State just played in the Florida matchup. So, you know, it's a it's a, certainly a uh challenging matchup for for Florida State offensively. Although they're a very different kind of offense than what Florida is running. This is an offense that should be familiar to Florida State fans for sure uh offensive coordinator Jeff Levy is running basically the the Bryles offense it's it's what Kendall Bryles ran in his year in Tallahassee under uh, Willie Taggart though Taggart didn't let him run though Willie Taggart didn't allow him to run it exactly the way that he wanted it was basically the the same offense and this is you know the very wide splits vertical choice routes all designed to to force you to declare what your defense is going to be, give them the box count that they want, and then it's either going to be a run play or some sort of pass play, and and generally everything's going to be packaged together, and, and uh, you're going to get a lot of a lot of calls that are going to be essentially pre snap RPOs, or uh, even if the the pre snap changes, you're you, you've got some opportunities for post snap RPOs as well, but a lot of those things basically going in. The, the design is essentially to create seams in the defense uh, and to stretch defenses out so that you're able to pound the football as much as anything and that's what they're doing and they were very successful with that this year uh, again that offense in the you know like I said 20 what 24th in the country in uh, in total offense in terms of yards per play against power five competition that that's very very good and that's in a conference with a bunch of teams with a bunch of defenses that are actually designed to play against that kind of, uh, that kind of offensive approach Uh, and and a few defenses that are probably better than Florida States. I mean, you think about Texas, better, better defensively than Florida state, Iowa state, better defensively than Florida state uh, certainly against the, the the spread type look that you're getting here. Uh, Another comparable defense to Florida state, Oklahoma state, so these are all teams that they, that, they, uh, that they face there. that They're used to playing quality defenses. TCU is a, a reasonable defense as well, a quality defense as well. And you look at the results in those games. They scored 28 in a win against Oklahoma State. Uh, they scored 20 at West Virginia. That's a pretty good West Virginia defense as well. Uh, scored 35 against Baylor, decent Baylor defense. Scored 27 against a very good Iowa State defense. And then we're shut out by Texas. But that Texas game is is a bit of an outlier because that's a game where Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback for OU, did not play. And so they were uh, sort of behind the eight ball from the start there. 24 against TCU, but Gabriel was knocked out in the first half. So uh, 34 against a good Kansas State defense. So they've played some quality defenses and they put up very good offensive numbers even against those defenses. So this is a... Uh, a game where you're going to expect OU to be able to move the football, at least some, just partly due to what they do in terms of of scheme and, and how they're going to go at it. And again, I mentioned the wide splits. You're going to see those receivers outside the numbers. You're going to see uh, essentially a box count. If Florida State decides to load the box, then they're going to try to hit those on the now screens on a variety of different things on the edge to force you to have to run to the edge and tackle against, uh, against playmakers that becomes an extension of the running game. And then also if you go with a lot of one-on-one stuff, you're going to have to cover a lot of what, what they call vertical choice type stuff where essentially you're going to have receivers release upfield and it's a vertical route, but it could be a vertical to the outside. It could be a vertical, On a deep post, it could be a vertical that then turns kind of across the field, depending on how the coverage matches up. And it makes it very difficult on the defense there because you're getting, uh, you may have a corner that's in position to cover that vertical, you know, a takeoff route down the field. But now all of a sudden the receiver sees that leverage and now turns that into a a bit of a skinny post. And the quarterback's going to read that with the receiver. And now you've got a more difficult matchup there and the corner has to be able to make a play on the ball from a disadvantageous leverage situation. So they do a lot of those things. They're going to, they're going to get some big plays down the field as a result of it. uh, And they're going to force you to, to try to do more than just single cover there. And if you pull that extra safety out of the box, then suddenly they've got numbers and they're going to try to pound you. I mean, that's what that offense is. It's all about that. I mean it's just simple math and trying to trying to use the field and use space as much as possible and also some somewhat the quarterback's legs as an as a equalizer as well so that if you're going to have an extra safety they're going to find ways to make you pay in the running game. That's what they do and then as soon as you try to stop that run they're going to hit try to hit you on the verticals. It's pretty simple offense, one of the most one of the simplest schematic offenses in the country but also one of the most prolific systems that you're going to be able to run again, because those principles are, are real simple. It's just math and space, math and leverage, and they do a great job of, of managing that and then repping those things so that on those vertical choice things, they, they do it right and they run to grass and quarterbacks throw to grass and it's, it's hard to defend. It's going to be harder for them to do some of those things in this game, though, because of the opt outs, essentially. So this is not the same Oklahoma team that finished the year. Uh, n- the main thing is, again, some of those offensive players that have been really critical to their success on the year are sitting out of this game. So uh, number one, Eric Gray, the running back who had over 1,300 yards, averaged over six yards a carry, almost six and a half yards a carry. He was the, the, the primary bell cow of this team. He's, he has opted out for the game. And so that is, that's a significant loss. I mean, the next best guy that they had, the next guy on their depth chart, Javante Barnes, who should be very familiar to Florida State fans, as he was heavily recruited by Florida State before OU uh, managed to win his recruitment. But essentially, he's a freshman running back. He's their backup. He's now going to be the starter in this game. And he's a guy that, 89 carries for 411 yards. Look, those are good numbers, but they're not the same kind of numbers that you saw from Gray and just the yards per carry on the season will uh will show you that. Barnes averaging uh 4.62 yards per carry on the season and Gray at 6.41. Gray, more of a breakaway threat as reflected in that as well. So those are the things that, uh, that, that, that immediately impacts things. That's your biggest impact as well. And that's compounded by the loss of your first team, all big, uh, all big 12. Anton Harrison, uh, left tackle, first team left tackle there uh, who is sitting out. He's opted out. And then they're starting right tackle who is second team. Uh, second team, all big 12 as well. Wanya Morris, who again, should be familiar to Florida state fans. He was highly recruited by Florida state, actually going back to the Jimbo, uh, era as I believe, but, um, both of their, their offensive tackles. And these are really good offensive tackles. Like I said, first team and second team, all big 12, those guys are sitting out as well. So essentially they're starting running back who's their who's been their best offensive player aside from maybe Gabriel. I mean, you could argue for Gabriel there. But their best offensive player, uh, best skill player and then their their two best offensive linemen are sitting out of this game. And so, uh, they're replacing those with a freshman at left tackle and then a redshirt sophomore at right tackle. The redshirt sophomore is a guy who's uh who started some and he's he's played well. Uh, but certainly not the all conference level experienced players that they had during the season. So you combine that, combine those three losses with a little bit of a loss of depth as well in terms of uh of receiver. The receiver they've got a couple uh receivers that are on the depth chart uh or that were on the depth chart, not starters but guys that are that are moving on as well. So definitely not a full-strength offense compared to what they were during the season. Nevertheless, certainly a more full-strength offense than they were against Texas when they got shut out without Dylan Gabriel because, again, not the same team without Gabriel on the team. Uh, so, yeah, that's where they, where things stand. And, and what Florida State basically is going to need to do in this game is they're essentially going to need their front four to dominate the the, the line of scrimmage. Uh, The thing against the Bryles system is they will absolutely cut you up if you cannot control the line of scrimmage with your front four. If you cannot, with a light box, manage to have guys win matchups and compress that space and cause problems, they are going to have a field day. They're going to move the football. Now, The problem that they have is if you are able to keep that extra safety back and not give them the one-on-ones they want outside and you're good enough up front to be able to stop them, to be able to limit their running game with a light box, that's where they don't have as many counters built in as some offenses would because that's what they're counting on. So this is where they can go from, you know, 60 to zero real quick. But again, most of the time they're at 60, (laughs) So, but this is a game where during the regular season, you'd expect this to be a shootout because OU's offense is going to be, is going to give a lot of problems to Florida State's defense in exactly some of the areas that you would expect FSU to have some of the most difficulty for this game. I'm not sure that that's, that's going to happen because I, I do expect that Florida State with Fabian Lovett playing with Robert Cooper playing with. Uh, Jared verse playing with the the full complement and this is going to be the healthiest Florida State has been on the front four on the defensive line since LSU. those guys against a an offensive line group that's missing their their top two offensive linemen on the outside, suddenly that matchup looks a lot different and that's where what Florida state's going to need to have happen here is those guys on the front four to wreck shop enough that they're able to keep that extra safety back. And then all of a sudden you can, you can start to do a lot against that offense. I still think OU is going to find ways to score some points in this game and move the football largely because I think Gabriel is a really good quarterback and they've got some quality at wide receiver. So they'll, they'll get a few plays down the field, but again, they're, um, Oh, and I, um, yeah, so as I'm recording here, I just learned that there are another couple players that are out for uh, for OU here. Uh, the primary one that, that matters here is their starting center, Andrew Rame, also out in this game, so that means they're down three offensive linemen, three starting offensive linemen in this game, and that that's going to be a pretty significant problem for, again, for exactly the reasons that we were talking about just a moment ago. Now, again, I still think OU is going to cause some problems for Florida State on the offensive side, just because, again, this system is very good, and they've still got good players on that on that system. But I do think the fully healthy Florida State defensive front is basically better than all of the fronts that they've played, aside from maybe Texas, and... You know, in those in the games where they played against better fronts, they did not have quite as much rushing success. Three point six five yards per play at TCU, three point seven one against Texas. Of course, that is again the outlier game without Gabriel, and then three point eight seven yards per carry at Iowa State. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised given those three opt outs, the lack of really their top two running backs in this game, uh, in terms of who is expected to start. You know i would I wouldn't be surprised if Florida State was able to hold them under four yards of carry and uh and that that's not really what o u is going to need to be able to win this game offensively uh based on what this bryles levy offense is going to want to do. They want to run the football to beat you, and Florida State's ability to tackle in space, which they've been very good at all year, avoiding giving up big plays in the running game and uh, their ability to control the line of scrimmage with their front four while keeping safeties back. That's a good matchup for Florida state in that respect. But again, I think this is where OU's passing attack is going to find a few, a couple big plays here and there. They're going to get some plays down the field and FSU is going to give up, give up some points and some yardage because you've got a quality quarterback with some receivers who can really run and they're going to get some one-on-ones and they're probably going to win those one-on-ones. That's, That's what I would expect. So somewhere in the range of, you know, five and a half yards per play is about what I would expect in this game from OU, maybe a little bit less if Florida State's defense is able to to really control the line of scrimmage like they may somewhere, you know, maybe even around, you know, 5.3 yards per play would be in the in the good range for Florida State's defense. I would consider that, you know, very successful against this uh, OU offense and you know certainly without those three offensive linemen starters and their running back those are viable numbers for for FSU and again it's all about not giving up big plays down the field to to an offense that's going to rely on them without those offensive linemen in place so that's where things match up on that side of the ball now as we move over to the other side of the ball Florida State's offense against OU's defense I think this is a much friendlier matchup to Florida State, even than what we just talked about. And that's because OU's defense has, has just not been all that good this year. And yes, I know Venables is a really good defensive coach. He's run a uh, consistently good system for many years For at Clemson, gave Florida State trouble there. Nevertheless, this OU team, there's been a bit of an adjustment working into his Particular system, and they've they've just not been as good as what a lot of folks might have thought they would be with a defensive minded coach uh, going out there this year, and they've been honestly not that great against the run against teams that actually can run the football. So you look at on the year they've given up four point four five yards per uh, per play or per carry on the season, and that's despite playing UTEP and Kent State you start getting into the meat of their schedule when they played against teams that can actually run the football 5.6 yards per carry against Kansas state, 8.8 yards per carry against TCU 5.2, 5.9 yards per carry against Texas 5.85 against Baylor. So these are all numbers that, you know, against teams that can run the football that are not optimal numbers defensively. Now they did improve down the stretch against West Virginia who can't run the football, Oklahoma state. Who's not the best running the football on the season, either uh, 2.94 yards per play. And that were per per carry. And that one against OU or against uh, Oklahoma state. Uh, and then 3.7 yards per carry against Texas tech, who also just doesn't run the football very well against teams that could run it. They had trouble. And the team that's most like Florida state in terms of what they do in the running game is TCU. And they ran 41 times for 361 yards. That's 8.8 yards per carry you know, a lot of counter, that sort of thing. And that makes sense in this game. Venables, uh, over the past few years, has really adopted a lot of the tight front, odd front type stuff. He used to be uh, an an even front, really attacking downhill type, uh, type front. And then at Clemson, the last three years or so that he was at Clemson, He studied a lot of what Iowa State did and decided to move more in that direction. And that's more of what they've done this year at OU. A lot of tight where you line up a zero technique right over the center and then two four-eye techniques just on the inside shoulder of the offensive tackle. And you're trying to sort of stack things up, just make basically a big mess on the inside, occupying all five blockers, ideally, of the offensive line with those three. And then you basically let your speed guys You have some guys that can run uh, on the outside and at linebacker that then clean up as things end up having to run to the edges and run outside the tackles. Thing is, if if you don't tackle, if you don't clean that up really well, then that doesn't work out real well for you. And if those offenses are able to block those three guys without using... Say four or all five of those offensive linemen, and they're able to get those offensive linemen pulled and on the edge and all of that, and you, you're able to pin those guys down. All of a sudden, you've got problems, and this is where the counter play. Florida State ran counter a lot against the tight front uh, defenses that they played this year with a lot of success, and also the G play. The the um, the it's a sort of single wing based or often called down. The G play has been a Norvell staple against tight front stuff, and he has just abused tight front defenses with that, including Venables. Going back a couple of years ago, when Florida State was outmanned, they were still able to run the football on that Venables defense because of some of those things schematically that gave, that gave Venables and that front difficulty. And basically, Norvell was able to get his uh, his back's in one-on-one situations where they were they had an advantage and his backs won and that's kind of what i would expect to see in this game Uh, i expect to see a lot of down a lot of counter a lot of uh, a lot of power where you're seeing pulling linemen and getting got getting backs on the edge with space and get broken tackles and and opportunities in in the open field. So that's going to mean OU is going to need to stack the box, which then is going to allow Jordan Travis and those wide receivers to make some plays downfield and against those one-on-ones. And that's basically what I expect to happen in this game. I think Florida state's going to be able to run the football and then they're going to be able to play action and get some big plays over the top. And you know, that's that Uh, again, OU's pass defense, pretty good, but I don't think it's going to matter that much because Florida State, I don't think is going to be off schedule a bunch in this game. I wouldn't be surprised, especially given again OU having one of their core players on the on the defensive front, Jalen Redmond, opting out for this game. So now you're you've not been good on the on the, against the run all season, and then you take starting defensive tackle and have him now opt out of this game suddenly your your depth there is hit even harder and all that against a what seems to be a motivated Florida State team that wants to end the season really well zero opt outs on this roster yeah uh, uh this this is where this kind of game i think has the capacity has the capability of getting ugly if you look at the the opt outs aspect in particular and yeah, I, I don't actually expect this to be a game where I, I think if these two teams had played in the regular season, it's probably a, cl- a pretty close game. In this context, in the bowl, I think it's going to be significantly harder for, for OU to stay in this game. I think OU's defense is going to have a hard time stopping Florida State's running, uh, running game, and I think they're going to have some difficulty running the football on Florida State's front. You take those two things together, I think that's basically the ball game. OU is going to need to get some turnovers, and their pass defense has been good at, at creating some turnovers. Uh, but they're going to need to get some turnovers and, and force some interceptions and all of that in order to to win this game. I think Florida State's probably going to run for over three hundred yards on the ground, have a few big plays through the air, and ultimately walk away uh, with a with a, with a significant margin win in this game. I'm going to go with Florida State uh let's say Florida State 45 OU 20 in this game. Uh I think this is around an 80% chance of or 85% chance of Florida State winning. And that's not because OU is not a, not a good team. I think the the combination of all the opt-outs and and everything else along with this being a matchup that I think is friendly to Florida State schematically in general. Uh, I think this turns out to be a really nice finish to the Florida State 2022 season and sets them up to be very highly ranked and have a lot of buzz going into the next season. We'll see how that goes, but I think this has a, a chance to be a really nice coronation for a better-than-its-record Florida State team closing out the year. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Lewis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach in Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast Shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level. That is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Post us on social media and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.